We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 256 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Daniel, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Spanish journalist Chantal Reyes. Thank you for joining me, Chantal, and welcome to the show. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Well, Chantal joins us because, yes, there are five matches left to decide the Liga. Yes, Barca does play Atleti this weekend. Yes, Barca did come back to beat Valencia. Yet, we will talk about all of that, but first... I think our main story from the weekend is that the Barca Femini beat PSG over the two legs and now move on to their second Champions League final in the last three years. Chantal, my impression, and I, I think it's a pretty easy question to start, this is the best Barca Femini team we've, we've ever seen. Uh, yes, of course. They've been planning for years to get to this point, and I think they've finally done it. Because uh, the semi-final against PSG was amazing. I think overall Barca had the, the best semi-final because in the first leg uh, they were the best team until PSG scored the goal because until that moment they weren't able to create any chances. Of course, with the tie, changed the game a little bit and the French team uh, improved uh, way better and Katoto had two great chances. But in the second half, I think Barca was better. And of course, in the second leg, uh, they were better technically, but they also equaled PSG physically, which I think was the key to be able to beat them because uh, not so long ago, Barca was behind in the physical aspect, but now they are the same. So they played their game, uh, even though Buchanan had some chances and Pereira had a mistake that could have ended up in goal. But Barca didn't suffer that much at the Johan Cruyff. Maybe the fans did, but Barca itself had the control of the game and they were able to beat PSG. Yeah, we've heard Lyon, Wolfsburg, other teams that have knocked them out of the quarterfinals or semifinals in years past say that, that Barcelona's physicality has been their weakness, that has been their issue, and they seem to have rectified that. They seem to, with their press, with their aggressiveness, with the ball, and even without the ball, trying to get it back, that has become a strength of theirs. That said, it seems to me against PSG, the only real weakness they had, and this is when PSG scored their two goals, is when they're looking to sit back and defend and kind of close out a match and finish a match off when they've been on the front foot. So Barca, yes, they're on the front foot when they're attacking and they like to attack with possession, but when they don't have the ball, they have to be aggressive because when they try to sit back and just defend, 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 that seems to be when they concede. 
Yes, sometimes it's hard for them to just defend because they are not used to it. I mean, in the Spanish Liga, they play the same. They play against Lyon, against PSG, because they 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 are a team that uh, there were like four years ago or something like that when they faced uh, Lyon. I think it was two in the semifinal. They did play only to defend because they weren't able to to create chances against against Lyon, which in those days uh, were much better. But I think now it's a problem for them because they, they are not used to it. And as they always play the same, when they need to finish the game, because they had some so many problems. I, I think that's the, as you said, what I'm uh, liando. I'm yeah. <laughs> I think that's the their main problem. Yeah, I mean, moving forward against it's going to be Chelsea. They have. We're going to preview that. I'll have it on YouTube. We'll talk about it more in a podcast in the future. But Chelsea is a team that's going to be attacking and very much looks like Barcelona in turn. And I think fans are going to be treated to an up and down game. All that said, the Lyon team that beat Barcelona two years ago was far superior than any other team in women's football. Uh, Chelsea and, and Barca, and even if it was Bayern Munich or PSG, they were very, very comparable. So I would ask, uh, of what you're hearing in Spain, of what you're hearing from even uh, the Barca Femini squad, what does it mean to them? And we saw what it meant physically to Luis Cortez, just the way that, I mean, emotionally what it means. But what does it mean to return to the Champions League final? I think with a bit more belief that they can win this one as opposed to Lyon where they knew it was going to be an uphill battle. Exactly. It's the reward for the good job. And like Luis Cortez said uh, many times, after they lost the Champions League final against Lyon, the captains of the teams uh, asked the staff for more because they wanted to get better so they'd be able to win the Champions and they have been working for that moment until now. I remember that when they reached their first final, people said that they were only there because they got lucky in the tournament with the teams they faced. It. And it was kind of true because they beat the Bayern, but they didn't uh, have to face Wolfsburg, PSG, Lyon until the final. And that final showed that uh, they weren't ready yet. But after that moment, everything changed because uh, they improved uh, and had many quality trainings that have led Barca not only to beat PSG, but also to be one of the best teams in the world. So returning to the final shows that hard work pays off. And like you said the other day, uh, which reminded me to something you just had said, uh, they went to Budapest to lead experience, but they are going to Gothenburg to win the final. I mean, one of the, or not one of, but a few of the reasons why they're more prepared for this final is also the signings they've made since they lost that final. So right after they lose against Lyon, they go out and they sign Carolyn Graham Hansen back in 2019 from Wolfsburg. And she's been better this year than she was even last year. Eight goals, a team leading 15 assists. And against PSG, they knew in that first leg, you've got to put two people on Carolyn Graham Hansen, or she's going to create some some havoc. And in terms of how good of a winger she is, how do you think this team has fed through her going out wide and then how important her crosses are as well? Uh, well, of course, she's uh, really important and not only for for the team, because uh, when they signed her, uh, Barca showed that it was serious about winning the Champions League. Because I remember that when they signed Lique Martens, the other superstar, she wasn't yet a superstar because the European Championship hasn't been won yet. Yeah. But when they signed Caroline Graham Hansen, she was already a superstar and all the teams wanted her. I mean, Lyon made an offer for her, but she picked Barcelona and she fit in perfectly. 
it's true that in the first year she had a little bit of an injury, so she took a little bit of time off, but uh, this year she's been even better. And it's a player that when you see her, you know she's going to make the difference. It's like, uh, at least in the Spanish National League, it's like Barca plays with one more player than the other teams because of the value she adds to the team. And it was also like that against PSG because uh, having many players to stop her led other players to be more free. So I don't know. It's it's an amazing player. It's uh, so nice to see her in Spain. And the best thing for Barcelona is that Hansen itself seems to be very happy with the team. I mean, you mentioned Lecky Martins, and she's been really interesting this year and last year because she's also dealt with a ton of injuries. And the player that she was when she won the the best player in the world in 2017 after winning the Euros with the Dutch national team, that Licky Martins, I, I think, has been kind of missing. But it feels like having had that brace in the second leg against PSG, I certainly get a feeling, and she has 16 goals, 8 assists this year. I, I think she might finally be back to her best or close to her best, but do you think there's still better that we could see from Lucky Martins? Mm, I think we can always see better for... For, for another player, but it's true that when uh, Lique came to Spain, she was the superstar after winning the European Championship, but she had a hard time fitting to the team, and I, I, what I saw was that many of the defenders of La Liga uh, knew how to stop her, so that must have been uh, frustrating for her, but uh, like you said, uh, we are now seeing a good Lique Martens, I think she's almost in, in her best form, even if she took her a little bit, because also Mariona took her place. Yeah. So that the semifinal you, uh, you mentioned against PSG was, uh, I think it's, it must have been very important to her because having, o sea, having getting to be a starter be, uh, over Mariona in a semifinal, uh, which is something crucial, must have been an incredible confidence boost for her. And she has done it perfectly. In the first match, it was more difficult to her uh, to create attack because she had to help a lot in defense. But when Patrick came back, uh, that uh, helped her a lot. And uh, well, that's how she scored uh, those two goals. And I hope she can maintain this level because this is the Martins everyone loves. And those two goals have been for her a reward for all the hard work because she's been working. Yeah, I think that's a good problem that Luis Cortez has, that he can choose between Lecky Martins and Mariona. And Mariona Cadente has been, to me, she's one of my favorite players on the team. She is, an, I think, the unsung hero, if you will. She's played the second most minutes on the squad. So, I mean, Luis Cortez just throws her out there game in and game out. She's played one less minute than, than Mappy Leon, by the way. If she plays two more minutes than Mappy Leon, then most on the team. Eight goals, eight assists, and she also takes the penalty kicks. It should be reminded, too. So having her come off, I think, the bench in the final isn't a bad idea. Because if that game somehow, God forbid, goes down to penalty kicks, you have Mariona in that position to take either the first, the third, or the fifth, one of the important ones. And yeah, I mean, outside of Spain, it's Lucky Martins, and they know that she's a global superstar. But then Mariona, within Spain is so much better than I think people give her credit for. But she's also only 25. So like, she's getting better and better. I mean, you can respond to Mariona, but I, I think we need to start talking about Jenny Hermoso too. <laughs> because I think somehow we've made it 12 minutes without talking about Jenny. So which one is going to go first, Mariona or Jenny? Yeah, let's respond to Mariona and give Jenny her own time. Okay, now Mariona, it's uh, such a special player. I am with you that uh, she's one of the most underrated players in Barcelona because she doesn't get uh, the spotlight as much as others, even though she's just as key as other players. Uh, like you said, she has played many minutes and she's the only player that has played all Barca games this year. 
And I, I think that she's now at 10 goals and nine assists. And she's also Barcelona's second top scorer in the history of the Champions League. Mm -hmm. So she's crucial because she doesn't only score and assist, she also supports the other players so they can attack properly. And she's a big uh, asset in defense. She's always helping the left back and her defensive sacrifice is massive. She has an amazing game vision. So like you said, when a match is stuck, she's able to unlock it. She's also a versatile player because we see her as winger, but also as a striker, sometimes in the midfield. And of course, she has a very good technique and dribbling, and she's able to create danger and attack even when she's uh, surrounded by, play by other players. And like you, like you also said, she's only 24 years old. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen, or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Piquet and Puyol, or Piquet and Mascherano, or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough, and as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Yeah, and then, of course, Jenny Hermoso, she's a little older. She's been around the block, but 29 goals and 11 assists, and I think it can't be understated. The Jenny Hermoso that played for Barcelona a few seasons ago and then went to PSG, went to Atletico Madrid, and has now returned is a better version of Jenny Hermoso. And I think she, as much as Caroline Graham Hansen has been so important, there's somebody who has to be on the end of those crosses from Graham Hansen to put in for goals, and that has been Jenny. And I think Jenny... I mean, she has an argument to be the most informed and maybe the best center forward in world football this year. That's how good she's been. Uh, yes, Jenny has benefited a lot for, from Caroline Hansen, but of course, uh, she has always been this kind of star. I remember that when she signed for PSG and then went back to, then went back to Atletico de Madrid, it uh, was a massive loss for the team because Jenny was already one of the best footballers Barca had, not only because of the goals, but also because of how easy she makes for the rest of the teammates to score. 
Uh, so when she came back, uh, Barcelona's intentions were made clear because they bought back Jenny and they also uh, signed the Hansen. So that was obviously part of the plan of winning the champions. And I don't know, like I said, Jenny makes it easy for the rest of the teammates to score goals or to create chances. And apart from Hansen, she has always understood perfectly with Alexia, the other top uh, or key player, which is uh, the other key of the team. And she, Jenny always says that she prefers having a striker uh, ahead of her because she likes to play a little bit delayed. But when she has to pay, when she, when she has to play as a striker, she also does it. So it's a player that adjusts well in the team, and we saw it against PSG and also in the in the second leg. She's crucial to this team. Uh, yeah, we've already named four forwards already, and we should name the fifth one, if you will, in Asisat Ashwala. 19 goals for her, three assists. What does she mean to African football, and how has she dealt with her role kind of changing, whether she starts, comes off the bench, and has also had a few injuries this year too? Mm, for African football, I think she has proved that anyone can be whatever they want. And I think it's amazing that little African girls can have her as their role model since she's become the greatest footballer of Africa of the decade, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And she has paid some hard challenge to get to it. So as an African role model, she's amazing. In Barcelona, I think she has had some ups and downs because it's true that she has had many injury issues, but when she reached Barcelona, I felt like she was, it was easier for her to score. And now she's facing some troubles, and I guess that's something that goes by the hand of the injuries because uh, after the semifinal, she showed us her, her ankle, which was uh, bruised. And those injuries she had this year have avoided her being at her best level. But I also think that she's lacking a bit of confidence because she misses too many easy chances. Sometimes she does something that is really difficult and then she can't score. So I think that's something that frustrates her a lot. And when she's on the, on the field, uh, she feels the pressure to score. And that's why she misses so many chances. And I think that's taking over her uh, along with injuries. But it's obvious that she's been really important for this uh, Barcelona team because uh, when, for example, Jenny was injured, she was there. And uh, you, we don't have to forget that she was the only player able to score against Lyon in that final. Yeah. So it's, she's having a little bit of downs, but I think she's overall a good player that she's just lacking of confidence. And I think the difference, too, in style is that Jenny drops a little deeper and helps with com combining and creating while uh, Ashwala is just, she's going to score the goals. That She's always moving forward to the score of the goals. Yes, and also Ashwala, she's not in her is a striker, a nine, like we say in Spain. So yeah, we put her a lot of pressure because she has to score, but she's not only that, she's much more. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I want to move back to, we've been mainly talking about that front line. Now I want to move back into the midfield. Arguably my favorite player to watch, Alexia Puteas, and that's for both men and women, if not for Lino Messi. I think Alexia Puteas, the captain of the team at 27, 16 goals in the league, which is second most on the team from the midfield, eight assists as well in the league. And I trying to figure out what she got better at. How has she improved, do you think, in the last... I mean, she's been in the first team now for eight, nine years, but how has she improved now over these last six, seven, eight years to become the, I mean, the well-rounded force that she is in midfield now? Uh, she had some downs also in Barcelona because there was a season uh, where she didn't play that, that much or she wasn't at the level she was supposed to be. 
And also there was a coach, uh, Franz Sanchez, with whom she didn't get along because there was a moment uh, with, mm -hmm. uh, where, where I was afraid that Alexia was going to le leave Barcelona because she wasn't getting any minutes, but at least something changed. Uh, and she started uh, playing again with the new coach. And she's just Barca's hurt. And at the moment, for me, is the best midfielder in the world, the most complete and differential. And I think that Alexia's success can't be explained without Patria and Aitana, because same way it happened with uh, that men's midfield fourth by Xavi, Iniesta, and Busquets, it's something that reminds me of it. It's because Alexia creates, Patria holds, and Aitana does magic. The three of them are the top midfield right now. Uh, and Alexia is a player that it's not that usual that a midfield scores that easily, but she's also able to play in the in any position that they ask her for. So it's a big, um, it's really important in, in Barcelona, uh, along with Patria and Aitana. But I think that's also a problem because having Alexia, Patria and Aitana, Left you, so it lets you to to have Vicky Lozada and Kira Hanrabi in the bench. Right, yeah, it's just the same problem with the with the with the front three. That if you start Lecky Martins, that means Mariona doesn't get to play, and Mariona is going to be a starter on every team. Same thing with Kiara Hamari. We saw how important she was against PSG. Vicky Lasada, I mean, she's the captain of the team. And uh, Alexia Puteas just always has the captain's armband because Lasada, she also dealt with injuries at the start of the year. But I mean, all and all of them have at least three goals this season. Just to tell you how much scoring is done from the midfield, everybody, even Patrity, who is the defensive midfielder in that Busquets role, if you will. And the reason we say this, too, about the formation is that Luis Cortez, and it's been a while since we mentioned this, but he plays a 4-3-3. He plays that Barcelona 4-3-3 with, as you mentioned, the, the roles working the way that you'd expect them to do in a 4-3-3 Barcelona system. And Patrity is the defensive midfielder, but she scored five goals. And at least three of those were Galazos. Yeah, but on the point of Alexia, I want to say this too, that do you think that if Barcelona were to win the Champions League, that helps propel Jenny and Alexia Puteas into that global conversation of some of the top players in the world? Because I just, I don't hear their names yet, but I feel like if they win the Champions League final, that will put them in that conversation. I hope so, because for me, there is no doubt that uh, both of them are in the top 10 right now. Yeah. Alexia, Alexia should easily be in the top five. But I don't know why Spanish players don't get the same recognition that others do. It's impossible to understand that a player like Alexia never gets nominated or even listed in the rankings of best players in the world because Jenny sometimes do get a little bit more of recognition because I think she's a much more of a mediatic player. And the goals she scored again in the last World Cup against USA make yeah. her even more visible. But in my opinion, both are in the top 10 of the best players in the world right now. But what I am afraid of is that if Barca wins the Champions League, uh, that they don't get uh, nominated because uh, another team wins the Olympic Games. So mm -hmm. that's something that scares me a little bit. But of course, both of them are already there. And then they're also supported by their back line that we haven't really talked about yet. And Sandra Panos in net, Mapi Leon, Melanie Serrano has three goals, Marta Terrajon, the right back, has seven goals. Yeah, Leila... Andre Pereira has played the most minutes for the team in the Champions League. But I, I think it's, it's not crazy to say that because it's such an attacking force, that back line isn't really talked about maybe as much as it should. But do you think that that back line is the place that, I mean, we've heard rumors of Irene Paredes from PSG maybe being signed in the offseason. So do you think that back line is that point of weakness on the squad? But I mean, what do each of those add that, that is a positive too for the team? 
for me, I have to admit that the backline is one of the aspects that I've always think uh, Barça could improve. But uh, also there are players like uh, Andrea Pereira that have proven me wrong because uh, yeah. when she came, when she signed for Barcelona, I wasn't that sure that she was going to be a good fit, but she has shown uh, along with Mabi Leon to be one of the best centre-backs in Europe. And even though I do think that she's not as top as a player as Mabi, uh, she has made a place in this Barcelona team and she's keep improving since she came back to Barcelona. So both of them are a really good uh, pair of defenders. And then we have Marta Torrejón and Leila, uh, which I do think that Barca needs to sing a... Uh, uh, right or let back because Marta is amazing, but she's gonna retire at some point, and yeah. there's gonna be a point when she's gonna need to to have a substitute because, for example, uh, maybe this year she can't do it, but uh, imagine if in two years she has to face Leon, maybe she's not that fast. And same happens with Melanie Serrano, uh, which is a player I love, but she already has uh, some some years and she's gonna need to to be replaced. So Leila now for that it's the it's the untouchable one. But I do think that even if they have a, a pretty good defense, uh, it's the only spot uh, where I see Barca that sometimes failing, not failing, but uh, in La Liga it's not that usual. But for example, uh, as we saw against PSG, we saw how Buchanan was able to create some senses. And I think that um, I wouldn't mind if they sign a center back and a, or a, a right or left back. Yeah, I mean, we've seen as the backup left back and also playing in the back, we've seen the young players coming up from the Barca, uh, the, the, the second team for the Femini. But Jana Fernandez is a left back. It's also seen her play center back this year. Bruna Villamala has been scoring. But when we name all those names, Jenna Font and Kata Cole, the two backup goalkeepers, are in their early 20s as well. Laia Codina. And then there's a 17-year-old Brazilian Gio who hasn't played at all. And then you also have a few players out on loan. But we say all those names. And... It's basically all goalkeepers or attackers, not many midfielders and not many defenders as well. But it's a credit to Luis Cortez that I think it also helped Chantal that because Barcelona were dominating the league in the way that they did, you can play an 18 or 19 or 20, 20 year old and the team isn't going to change much. Though I have to say the last match when Bruna, when Bruna had those two goals, that was a young team. You had very young players along your back line. She scores two goals up tops, and Barcelona is still expected to win in Spain. Do you think there's pressure, too, in to win every one of your domestic, to be unbeaten, and not only unbeaten, but to not lose or draw at all and to win every single game in Spain this season? Do you think there's pressure there on the team? Uh, I think there is, uh, and that's where Luis Cortés centers because uh, I've always said that it must be hard leading a locker room with many stars as Barcelona do because it's not that usual in Spain because everyone wants to play and it must be difficult to pick one over here. But that aside, I think that Luis Cortés has had uh, a lot of pressure this season. That's why we saw, her the, uh, we saw him the other day in the floor uh, because <laughs> yeah. with, the, with the team Barça has, it's expected to win all the titles in Spain, also reach the Champions League final but also win everything, score three or four goals. And when there is a match that Barca only scores two goals, which doesn't happen a lot, but it's like they've done a, a, a wrong match. So there is a lot of pressure to, to be the best uh, always. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also want to, we'll wrap this segment up. We're talking about the Femini and talking about Spanish football and women's football in general that away from Barcelona, they've put the financial investments, they put the money into their, their women's team. And you've seen, again, the signings of Lecky Martins, bringing Jenny Hermoso back, Caroline Graham Hansen. 
they're opening their wallet and they're showing that, hey, good players can come here and maybe win the Champions League. But even though Real Madrid is now starting to put some investments in their team, even though you're seeing Atletico Madrid, you still have other teams like Granadilla uh, and Tenerife. So you have those other women's teams that are still pushing towards the top. That said, the gap between Barcelona, who've now left Atletico Madrid, who had won the last two Femenino Primera Division crowns, they've now left them in the dust. And then Real Madrid behind them and, and then Sevilla and the teams below them. What do you think it's going to take for the rest of women's football? I mean, maybe beyond, it might just be money. Money might just be the answer to this question. But other than money, what do you think the rest of Spanish women's football needs to do to continue to improve and reach those different levels? It's a hard question because I do think that money is the most important thing yeah. because that's how the investment comes. And Barcelona has made some great signings, of course, with money, but I think that's not the only thing because they improved and changed their their trainings. They've made a better and more quality trainings. They've made them to only train. I mean, there are some teams in, in Spain that uh, can't, or sea, some players that can't afford uh, only playing football. They have also to work. And yeah. that's when there is something that's missing because, of course, it's going to be better a team that always tra- that all, only train and and is always focused on the football much more than another one uh, that has to work uh, in two different works. So I don't know. I think that for that, uh, the thing that has to happen uh, is uh, to, to become pro, which is something that's supposed to happen next year. I mean, they said that the, the National League is going to be pro. I have my questions, my doubts, because uh, they've been saying this for a long time now. But I hope that this happens because this is the next step in the Spanish football, making the league pro, but also changing many facts that have come uh, with it. Like, for example, not allowing pro teams to play in artificial grass, which is something mm-hmm. that happens a lot. Also, I don't know, having decent salaries. So it's a hard, uh, a tough issue because it's not only one thing. But I do think that uh, if a team uh, wants to do it, uh, can because, I mean, there is Barcelona now, but Atletico de Madrid has done it before. Real Madrid has just come and also has signings like Aslani and Jacobson. So it's something that uh, I don't know exactly how they can do it, but they can. Because uh, if a team like Granadilla can be up there, a team that has uh, a men's team can also do it. I agree with all those things. And I always parrot and complain about the broadcasting rights too. I always say that now that Barca Femini is available on Barca TV for everybody globally, that's very helpful to letting them watch the domestic as well as the Champions League rights have been getting better and better. But I think there's still a, you know, a ways to go in all those, different, all those different ways that you can view women's football. Put it in front of people and people will watch. Mm-hmm. That, if you saw the matches, that can get you sponsors. Yep. I mean, this is the Barca Femini. What was it? Two years ago was when Stanley Tools finally showed up. And before that, they had had nothing on the front of their jerseys. So, yeah, it's, it's been even a recent phenomenon. Remember that the Femini is even in the Champions League 2013, 14, I think was their first year there. So we're still talking recent history. But yeah, so that, that wraps up our Femini discussion. That was great. Now we have we're going to hit the men's version of stuff. First, I want to make a note. Barca B have qualified for the promotion playoffs. We don't have any time to talk about them, but they're on the promotion playoffs again like they were last year. But now I think we need to talk about the men's team. They're in the Liga race. It's a I think at this point, since Sevilla lost to Athletic Club, it's a three team race. It's Atleti, Madrid, or Real Madrid, and Barca. Um, so I had to ask, after watching Barca against Valencia in that comeback, aside from Messi, 
I mean, Messi was fantastic, of course. Um, who impressed you as Barca now have just lost three times in 2021 and closed the 12-point gap on Atletico? Madrid. Uh, which, sorry, which player? Yeah, who is impressed, aside from Messi, who's impressed you in this recent run of form? Uh, Frankie de Jong. I think he has been one of the best, of the best uh, from the last months. And he's also been, for me, in the, in the match against Valencia, he was also one of the best. And I think he has fit in perfectly in Barca's style. So for me, it's going to be Frankie de Jong. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think, too, that Frankie de Jong, there we, we go through these stretches where we give him the proper credit, and then you almost forget about him a little bit. But against Valencia, when that game was so up and down, the credit that I think Griezmann, Pedri, Busquets, and de Jong all deserved because they were not only supporting Messi, but finding those pockets of space that they had to. They were making supporting runs. And there were so many times when de Jong effortlessly would try to run in behind the defense. I mean, that's what got the, the penalty kick. So he continues to make those runs and he doesn't get the ball 60, 70% of the time, but that's okay because it's starting to create those spaces. And it, it seems like our listeners and people on the internet and Twitter is obviously a great place for all the, all the uh, negativity, but it seems like people not understanding the importance that Pedri has in creating space for Messi. It might be, but... I also think that it's easy to, to criticize uh, on the internet. I mean, <laughs> I sometimes get frustrated uh, with Barcelona and this year they have been a roller coaster and it's sometimes hard to be objective. But it's, it's true that I don't know why with Pedri they don't appreciate the, the effort which it was there, but I think it's something that happens a lot in, in, in Barce- between Barcelona fans because uh, we've lived uh, the most great uh, history of Barcelona with uh, those amazing teams, Messi, Guardiola, Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets. So now it's really hard not to compare uh, with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I also want to address the fact that I've been a champion for Iesham Riba since the minute he showed up for the first team. I thought he's been phenomenal. That said, I think he's been, he's had a difficult run of form the last few games. Um, but I also would say too that we're getting to this when matches are more emotional. And this is just, again, for the fan aspect of this, when matches are more emotional, when every single, I mean, when Barca need the three points against Valencia, they have to come back. And E.S. Muir just doesn't seem to be adding to the game what he was earlier in the season when he was making his first appearances. Uh, the same thing can be said of Trincao. And then finally, Sergio Roberto. It seems like every year the fan base turns on one or two players. And recently, since he returned from injury, that player has become Sergio Roberto. Do you have a case or do you think Sergio Roberto is at the moment out of form and not really where he needs to be? For me, yes. I mean, I don't think Sergio Roberto right now in, in that form, he fits as a starter. So he frustrates me a lot. And it's easy. I, I, I get that he's been injured. But for me, it's like Kuman wants to put her no matter what. And sometimes I do, I do think that's not working. Yeah, and that's why you saw Des start against Valencia. It felt like against Valencia, that was the best starting 11 that they were going to go with. Um, with the exception of maybe, I think, Araujo and Mingueza, they do different things for you. So it depends on the opponent. But I think Araujo got the start because, and we saw this in the game, Kuman knew that Jose Gaia was going to get in behind Dest. There was going to be space that Gaia was going to run into behind Dest. And so to have Araujo there instead of Mingueza to deal with that speed, I think that was the decision. I'm not going to think too much about that. Now, looking at Atletico uh, Madrid, what needs to happen for Barcelona to take the three points against Atleti? It's a really tough match because uh, 
if I'm not mistaken, this year Barça hasn't beaten not Atlético de Madrid neither Real Madrid. Right. So and um, now Atlético de Madrid has the title on, on its hands. So I think it's gonna be about being focused on the match because uh, we sometimes see in Barcelona how they only start playing well when they get uh, an score. So when the when the other team scores, it's like we uh, like we like we saw against Valencia. Uh, when they scored in the second half was uh, when Barca reacted. So it sometimes feels like Barcelona wakes when the other team scores. So I hope that doesn't happen because uh, if Atlético de Madrid scores, I think that's going to be the end because they are going to start defending and they won't be able to pass uh, through the defense. So I think it's going to be about getting focused about the first minute and about not thinking on, on the Real Madrid match because, yes, uh, you have to be... Uh, thinking that maybe if uh, Real Madrid uh, gets a tie, you can already, o sea, you can win again La Liga. But if you don't uh, beat uh, Atlético de Madrid first, that's not going to happen. So it's about being focused and not getting uh, many defense mistakes because this year we've been seeing some important uh, mistakes in the defense. Yeah, I mean, you could see, you could just go through the times, and not that Real Madrid and Atleti can't do the same. All the big three have not been at their best this year. But yeah, you think back to the Neto mistake in the first match with Atletico Madrid. You think back to the mistake from Araujo earlier this year from, who was it, that PK's made a mistake. Langley has made two mistakes. And those are big mistakes. Those are the mistakes that wind up being the result between three points or, or zero points. Yeah, and, and so it's going to be a tough one. And uh, yeah, I, I will try to have a, a YouTube preview out later in the week. But for now, Chantal, I want to thank you so much for joining me on the show today. You were worried a little bit about your English, but I thought it was superb. I thought you knocked it out of park. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much. I know that sometimes uh, I speak a little bit bad or get nervous, but well, I hope that people understand me. Well, my listeners say I talk too fast and I mumble, so we all get it. So I think that'll wrap up another edition of the show. Please follow Chantal on Twitter at Reyes. And if you don't speak Spanish, just hit that handy translation button. It, Twitter has the feature. Just use it. Uh, it's also, we're on Twitter and Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. You can follow me at HiltonD13. And join our closed Facebook group, the Barcelona Podcast. Ask those listener questions when we get to them. And then Patreon, that's how we continue to make these shows. Always, always appreciate it. And our, plenty of love for our patrons over there. You can also listen to these shows without the ads. So a little incentive to support the show. And on YouTube, as I said, match reviews previews, all that stuff, the Barcelona podcast. But most importantly, thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon and force the Barca. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire.
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.